You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Boston College. I am your host, AJ Black. I am also the editor and publisher of bcbulletin.com. If you have not checked out my work there, head on over and see what I have been writing. On today's show, we are going to talk about this weekend. There's a lot of sporting news to get into. We're going to talk about basketball. We're going to talk about hockey. And there was a big football transfer that we'll talk about in the third segment. To kick things off, let's talk about the news. What happened over the weekend? Now, if you're into some of the smaller coaching moves with Boston College, you'd be interested to know that Michael Seabane, who was a linebacker assistant at Ohio State, has joined Boston College as a grad assistant. He worked with Al Washington over the last two seasons. Now, that's a grad assistant. Not a huge move, but bringing in guys from Ohio State, so that's worth noting. He had announced it on Twitter. People had been wondering what he was going to do with Boston College. He is going to be a graduate assistant. Now, the other move that you were, many people have been asking about was Al Washington. And I had reported that he was in the running for the Tennessee job, and he could have become the defensive coordinator. They, they made the official offer. He declined it before the weekend and decided to stay as the linebackers coach with Ohio State. Now, Al Washington, if many of you remember, is a Boston College defensive tackle from the mid-2000s. He was special teams coach, running backs coach. He, he had a, a very lengthy Boston College career. In fact, as I mentioned before, he was a name many people wanted to be the next head coach at Boston College. I, don't, I think that was a little premature when we talked about it, but I still think he has a potential of being a head coach down the line. And if, Jeff, if slash when Jeff Halfley decides to move on to another job, I think Al Washington eventually will become that kind of coach. Um, And I'd love to see him back at the Heights. But he's going to stay at Ohio State for now. It's a good move for him. As I said before, I think he can basically name his place where he wants to go and decide his own uh, fate. So ending up at Tennessee probably isn't the greatest move right now. You could find a better uh, fit for that in the future. It was more stop and go for BC Athletics as BC Women's Hockey played Providence on Friday, a game that they won, and were scheduled to play them again on Saturday, but that game was postponed due to a positive case, I believe, on the Providence team. So BC Women's, who's playing very well this year, by the way, uh, only got one game in this weekend. Now, BC Softball, they had their start of the season as well. And I know it's only niche, but I like to bring up other teams and and talk about um, what they've been able to do. So BC Softball ended up winning one of only one of four games that they played this weekend. So they're one in three. They played Northern Florida and Jacksonville uh, and only won one of those games. So uh, Savannah Anderson had a great game on Saturday. She threw a complete game shutout uh, in their two nothing win against North Florida. So, now let's jump into men's hockey. That was one of the big topics of the weekend. Now, they played against UMass Lowell this weekend in a two-game series. And before this game, I had said, you know, Lowell is a team that always plays Boston College well. You know, they were, I think, what, 7-3-1 and in, in their last 10 games against the Eagles. Norm Bazin is a coach 
that has you know the always has the Riverhawks in good position to to make a run in the East. And I I kind of looked at this game and I said, oh you know, Lowell had some time off. You know maybe that's why they struggled. They beat UConn on Tuesday. Maybe that's going to be the jumping point to give them some success. But I think I kind of overestimated what they were able to do because it was a two-game series this weekend and Boston College ends up winning both of them in two different ways. Now, on our site, John uh, J.D. Biagelani, our writer, talked about what happened. On Saturday, BC came out and smoked Lowell. They won 7-1. to After tying the game, BC just exploded. Their sophomore line of Alex Newhook, Matt Boldy and Mike Hardman scored five of the next six goals. The trio combined for 11 points, and Boldy had one goal, four assists for five points on the night. That was a big night for BC, and one of the worst losses for Lowell in uh, recent history. Now, I have a friend who is a diehard Lowell fan. He went there. Uh, he, we and I, when we used to be able to go to games, I'd go to games all the time with him at Songus. We were supposed to go to BC. It never worked out that way, but I, I love going to Songus and I love Lowell's fans. And I I'd said to him, you know, I think I'm giving your team too much credit. And he said, yeah, we haven't played really well in like a year and a half. Uh, so that definitely seemed to be the case on Friday night. BC scored two power play goals, which I thought was huge because they had the league worst 10 and a half uh, percentage conversion rate on the power play and they were able to score two goals interestingly enough that was one of my keys of the game because I had said before that Lowell was terrible on the power pe- penalty kill and they showed that off on Friday night now Saturday's game after BC wins 7-1 to one, Saturday's game starts off looking completely different Lowell looks like the team that I kind of expected them to they jump out to a 2 nothing lead their goalie they have a different goalie in on Saturday, Owen Savori, and he looks dynamic. He's stopping everything. Now, Lowell has their 2-0 lead on goals by Blake Wells and Andre Andre Lee, and all of a sudden, BC just rips one home. Uh, Nikita Nesarenko rips one off on an opening draw on the third to give BC its first lead of the night, and then Jack McBain quickly after scores again. So, BC just quickly... You know, first of all, they, they erase the 2 nothing lead and then quickly take the lead. So it started off looking like a typical BC Lowell game where Lowell jumps out. They're playing good defense. They're playing well between the pipes. But then the new Lowell kind of just jumps out. So this was, a again, a big weekend for BC. They're now 13-3-1 and and are, are a shoo-in to basically stay in as the number one team in the country. They're 8-1-1 in their last 10. So... What happens from BC from here? We'll find out this week. Uh, J.D. Bajilani, my writer, said he thinks that BC probably will end up playing Vermont next weekend after they finally resumed play after having their team paused. They're the only team Boston College has not played this season. And um, I th- UVM is, I think, a good matchup for BC and an easy way to get two more wins. I mean, no offense to the Catamounts. I just think BC's playing at a whole nother level. It's going to take a Northeastern, a UMass, uh, you know, one of those top-ranked teams in the, in the Hockey East, Providence, to take out BC at this point because they are just playing way too well. Um, and I think this weekend just showed it. You know, you they play against a lesser team, and they just, even without Logan Husco, they looked dynamic. So a great weekend for hockey. 
And if you haven't started following along, you can watch all their games. If you're local, they're on Nesson Plus usually. But even if you're not, there's I, I have a link on my site. Go find my hockey previews. I think it's collegesportslive.com. You can watch every BC game. So even if you're living in Alaska, you can find their games and watch it free. This is totally new from years past. So check it out. Get on the bandwagon because, you know, it's another hunt for another uh, national title for Jerry York. And this team is playing at that level at this point. So we're talking playing at a national championship level. Let's flip it. Let's talk about teams that are not playing anywhere near that. We're going to talk about men's basketball after in a moment. But before we do, I want to tell you about betonline.ag. Football is over, but betting does not stop. It's the BetOnline is the easiest and fastest way to bet on all your sports action. College basketball, the NHL, and NBA are all in full swing, and BetOnline has all the lines, over and unders, and everything you need to make your bets. BetOnline even covers award shows, TV shows, and reality TV. You, you imagine it, you, they have it. Head on over to their website or use the mobile device to sign up and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use promo code LOCKEDON. Again, head on over to betonline.ag, use promo code LOCKEDON to get your 50% welcome bonus, something you will not regret. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Now, let me tell you about another great podcast on the Locked On Network. We're covering everything you need to know about the Eagles, but what about the rest of sports? Now, the Locked On Podcast Network has got you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today podcast wherever you find your podcasts. This is Locked On Boston College, AJ Black here. If you have not done so already, if you're listening to this on a mobile device and you're listening to this on a podcast directory, hit the subscribe button. And if you are on Apple, give us a five-star review if you enjoy Locked On Boston College. And write a review. Say, hey, this podcast is great. Or AJ's knowledgeable. Whatever you want to say. It helps other Boston College fans. And the bigger I can make my podcast, the bigger guests that we can bring in. So check us out on any of those directories and make sure you hit subscribe and make us part of your daily routine whether that's you know running at the gym if you're doing laps outside if you're doing dishes you know for your commute make lockdown boston college part of that routine it's a great way to get caught up on the eagles and i hope you enjoy it now let's talk about something that's not been enjoyable boston college men's basketball who played on Saturday against Syracuse. Now, when we were previewing this game, Boston College had played Syracuse in December and lost 101-63 in one of the worst games Boston College has played in a series of bad games over the last couple of years. They just looked completely overwhelmed. They weren't playing well at all, and their defense just looked pathetic as Syracuse shot the lights out, you know, hitting 16 three-pointers. Going into this game, I had been on a multiple podcast. I was in ESPN Radio in Syracuse, and I sounded like Debbie Downer. I was just like, this team is not that great. They're not going to play well. Plus, they're all coming back from COVID. There's not going to be a full roster. And, you know, I couldn't find the silver lining other than C.J. Felder's play. And I have to say, Saturday, they played better than I expected them to. They lost 75-67, and they were in this game pretty much to the end. 
you saw a good inter- interior defense between Stefan Mitchell and C.J. Felder, who played better uh, moving the ball against the zone on offense. Le- a lot less sloppy turnovers on that end. Um, then you saw um, better defense. I mean, Syracuse was not shooting as lights out as they had been. I mean, they still shot pretty well, but you didn't see them just knocking down threes left and right. On top of that, they had DeMar Langford come back, who plays with good energy, and, M- and Makai Ashton Langford, his brother, seemed to be more in his zone. Makai Ashton Langford on the other end still is very sloppy with the ball. He had four turnovers in limited play. Um, and some of his passes at one point were just not, he was not on the same page as his teammates, which, again, you can write off towards, you know, the the layoff because of the pandemic, but I don't know. I don't, he just, he just didn't look himself, but he brought some energy and I, I, I can't rip on him for that. So this game just kind of had the, uh, like a feel like where, you know, like what you usually expect where Syracuse jumps out to a huge lead. Boston College chips away at it. The, the line in this game was 12 and a half. And I thought that was easy money, but I was wrong. And uh, by the second half, Boston College had brought it ba- down to, I think, about one point at one point at one time. But the game got really chippy. And, you know, at the in the first half, there was a altercation between C.J. Felder, um, Jay Heath, and a couple of Syracuse's defenders where there was multiple techno- technical fouls handed out. And that kind of chippiness continued into the second half. And it was one of the key plays of the game. Now, BC was just just around four points. And C.J. Felder got called for a technical foul. And it was out of range of what happened. And the ESPN announcers couldn't say what it was. It looked like he was talking. So maybe he mouthed off to a referee. But it wasn't really clear. Well, Syracuse hit a couple foul shots. And that basically sealed the deal. I know, you know, I, I, I make, I mean, gosh, if you look at some of the other Locked On podcast channels, they make a whole show into a recap of a BC game. I can barely get through one segment talking about these te- this team because A, I know none of you really care, and B, it's just it's just the same thing every, it seems like the same thing every game. Like, there's minor storyline changes I could talk about, but it's just like, it's repeated. Now, BC is now 3-13, and they're 1-9 and in the ACC. Now they play, this is crazy, they play at noon on Wednesday against Georgia Tech at Georgia Tech. The Yellow Jackets are a pretty good team, and they're going to play much better than they usually do when they play BC on a Tuesday during the ACC tournament. Um, BC is getting closer to being at full strength, so the the, the excuse of not having your whole team is kind of going away. Now they're going to probably lean towards they don't have the team, full team to practice, and that'll be something that they'll talk about, but... You know, they're only missing uh, Justin Vanderbond, James Karnick, and Winston Tabs at this point. And Tabs, I'm not even sure if it's a COVID thing or if it's his knee still. But regardless, they lost. And a oh, loss is a loss. I mean, like, at this point, are we proud that they have, you know, moral victories? I, that's not going to bring fan base back. That's not going to get fan interest into this team. It's a loss. They lost. And it's, I think they have like six games left. And as I said last week, I just hope it ends after that. Get into the ACC tournament, play whatever games they have to, and just end it. I don't want them having to make up the games that they had to postpone. The season just needs to end. And, you know, we're seeing things here and there, but it's not a complete game. They don't play well for six, you know, 40 minutes. They play well for spurts here and there. But you see the same mistakes happening over and over again, whether it's 
inability to close out on defense, leaving guys wide open. There was one point, there was one three-pointer, Joe Girard, who is a deadly three-pointer, was left completely uncovered. Like, just, you see that kind of lapses all the time. And it's not even just the exterior defense, you see an interior too. And then you have the, the mental lapses with bad turnovers. They had 15 in this game again. So, you know, I'm not going to beat a dead horse. I'm going to give a segment to each basketball game. I'm not going to, you know, drill home all the little nuances because it's going to ch- – I, I still think that things are going to change in about a month. Um, hopefully we'll hear more about what that's going to be like soon. So that's the end. Boston College lost. They're still in the, the basement of the ACC, and they'll face Georgia Tech on Wednesday. Now, in a moment, let's get back into the positivity. Boston College moved on from David Bailey – and they've already found their new running back. We're going to talk about who that is in just a moment. Well, let's uh, chat a little bit about Bill Bar. If you know me, I have talked a lot about what these bars mean to me. They are delicious. I keep finding new ones that I like even more. They have become the snack that I try when I need a good pick-me-up in the middle of the day. Now, Bilt Bars, they're 100% covered in chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. And they come in delicious flavors, as I just said. Some of the ones I like, coconut, uh, German chocolate, coconut almond, apple almond crisp. They're all delicious. They're great for the health-conscious guy or gal. I mean, every day I feel like I'm going to grab a new one and I'm sharing them with my wife now. We both are big Bilt Bar fans. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and they're great for the keto diet. Now listen, like for the coconut almond, that's one of my favorites. Listen to how, listen to the flavor profile of this this bar. 18 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams of net carb. You're not going to beat it in. They're delicious. They're like a delicious treat that's covered in chocolate. You are not going to beat these. All you need to do is go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code Locked On for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. There are so many great shows on Locked On Network. I want to tell you about Locked On College Football, a show I've been on before. I don't miss the biggest stories from around college football as Monday's Locked On College Football host, Candace Cooper, interviews the local experts on the biggest stories from around the nation. Get the in-depth analysis and insightful breakdowns from those in the know every Monday on Locked On College Football. Subscribe to Locked On College Football wherever you get your podcasts. Totally check them out. It's it's a great podcast. Candace is an awesome host. You'll really enjoy her, I promise. Now, in our final segment, it's some football talk. Now, I was shocked. On Friday, the Rick Ross gif popped up on Joe Sullivan's Twitter page, which, as any Boston College fan knows, means that there's a new commit for Boston College. I sent him a message because I chat with Joe every now and then. And I said, hey, is it, you know, this year, that year? He didn't respond back. I, I had to guess at who it was and I was wrong. Within 10 minutes of me asking, the the tweet goes out that Alex Sinkfield, a running back transfer from West Virginia, had transferred to Boston College. Now, this is stunning news because David Bailey, only two days before, had announced that he was transferring from Boston College. Now, David Bailey, one of the Buffalo boys, was a big running back, you know, big physical running back, and he was not the best fit for the new system at Boston College. So he was going to go see where he could find uh, a better fit for him, and that makes total sense. I had expected, I had heard that Boston College was probably going to go back into the transfer portal, and 
that they were going to look to see a, for a, look for a running back. Now, Halfley has said over and over again he's looking for best fit. You know, someone who fits the program, someone who fits their their needs. It's going to be a fit. He's not going to just grab kids off the portal just to fit, grab kids off the portal. Well, tw- it's like seemingly like 36 hours after Bailey announces he grabs Alex Sinkfield. So they moved quick to get this kid. Now, Sinkfield is the complete opposite of what David Bailey is. Now, you think of David Bailey, you think big, thick running back who can, you know, blast through holes. He's a good north to south runner. Sinkfield is, you know, he's smaller than 200 pounds. We talked to Skylar Callanan of the West Virginia site on our network. He calls him a home run guy, a guy that you give him the ball, and every time he touches it, he could go the distance. He's speed back. He's very, very quick. He's going to fit better in that zone scheme that Boston College is running, and much a much different type of running back than David Bailey. He has two years of eligibility left, and last year for West Virginia, ran for just over 300 yards for the Mountaineers. Now, he is leaving West Virginia only because he was, just like some running backs try to find new homes because of uh, depth chart issues, he definitely had that at West Virginia, as West Virginia had a all-American running back that basically is going to be back in Letty Brown, who ran for over a 1,000 yards in just 10 games. So it made sense for Sinkfield to try to find a new home. Now, he's going to do everything for Boston College. You're going to get a guy who can run it, who can catch passes, and can be a special teamer, which is great. You know, Boston College needs running. You know, he fits the mold of kind of what you have with Xavier Coleman and Lewis Bond. These new kinds of running backs. Think of like what Frank Signetti wants as a running back. He likes the Deion Jones, uh, Deion Lewis in the NFL. You know, someone who can run and swing and catch a pass, who can use their speed to make uh, defenders miss. That's what what we're going to get here with Alex Sinkfield. And I think he's going to probably battle right away for the starting job. Now, people have already asked, will Sinkfield be the starting running back on day one? I can't give you that answer because one of the hallmarks of Jeff Halfley's team is he says over and over again that players have to compete to get the starting job. No one is just given the job. They have to earn it. So Boston College has quite the stable of running backs. You have Patrick Garwo, Travis Levy, Andre Hines. You have the freshmen, you know, Lewis Bond and Xavier Coleman. You have other guys on the roster as well as like, like um, Javion Dane, who we haven't really seen much, but he's still there. Um, one of those guys could easily just jump up and take the role. Now, what I would expect... I think Boston College is no longer going to go with like what you expected out of Steve Adazio, where you had one running back, A.J. Dillon, Andre Williams, um, Jonathan Hilleman, you that ran it like 30, 40 times. You don't have that with BC anymore. Signetti is going to use a bunch of guys, and he's going to use them in situational plays. So you've got Patrick Garwo and Andre Hines, who can be your power back, and you need that in every offense. You need a power back. You know, Bill Belichick may rely mostly on a guy like Sony Michelle, but he also has he usually has a big physical running back like Damian Harris that can do the bigger things when they need it. Boston College is going to need that too. They also have third down backs. You have Travis Levy, who you can depend on on third down to either run it, catch it, do what you needed. Now you also have Sinkfield, 
he's going to play the role probably of the prime. Either he or Gar will probably be the primary back, but they'll probably get the bulk of the carries. One of them will have to win it out in camp. I'm not sure who that's going to be, but that's going to be his role. And I wouldn't be surprised. You know, I'm not. People have been asking, will he be the punt returner? Because Levy didn't uh, do a whole lot. Here's my thing with Travis Levy on punt returns. You know, I agree he didn't do a lot, but he didn't make a ton of mistakes. And I, I would much rather have a special team return man who is solid and doesn't make mistakes than what Michael Walker did. I like Michael Walker, but he was so mistake prone. He must have fumbled a handful of times. And, you know, you breaking a big run as often as you make a mistake doesn't fit for me. So I, I think Travis Levy does his job well. Now, if Sinkfield can do a better job and still be safe with the ball, all the power to him. I just think Levy is more established and he'll probably keep that role, but we'll see. So Boston College, they're, they're again, back to probably where they were before, where they're done in the transfer portal unless something jumps up. Will more Boston College players enter the transfer portal before next year? I'm going to say yes. This is not done yet. You're going to get a bunch of players, I would say probably three or four, that are going to enter the transfer portal between spring practice and the spring game and then probably a couple more before the summer. I don't think it's the best move right now based on what I've seen in the transfer portal with so many players unable to find homes, but it's going to happen. I just I just can tell you that's going to be a big thing that's going to be continue happening. So Alex Sinkfield from West Virginia, he's a Florida native. He's going to be on our team next year. Check it out. Now, on our show later this week, I'm going to have Dan Rubin stop by again, and we're going to do a whole baseball preview. So if you're interested in learning about the Boston College baseball team and why you should be excited about a team that's on the rise, you're going to want to check out this interview. Dan's got a lot of insight into the BC baseball team. He's going to share it with us. So check that out. Now, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can check us out at LockedOnBC. I am the editor and publisher. My name is AJ Black. I love BC Bulletin, part of the Sports Illustrated and Fan Nation Network. You can find me at bcbulletin.com, and you can find us on Twitter at Boston College SI. Thank you all so much for listening. I appreciate all of the messages, emails, and just fan uh, response that I get from you all. It means a lot to me. Take care, everyone. We'll see you all again for another show tomorrow.